why people need to just fucking chill. Hi, Jacob. Seriously, dude. It's it's getting bad. Like, bad, bad. Welcome to Nerd Nebula episode 12. And people are getting up in arms about a fictional character based on a fictional creature. What the fuck? Okay, so for anyone that doesn't know, we're talking about Little Mermaid here. And everyone kicking off that they'd made the lead actress of the new iteration of it, she is black. Yeah. If you go back, the actual original is based on the Hans Christian Andersen story where she trades her soul to be able to go on land, but then she also can't talk and she ends up dying. It's a pretty brutal telling of giving up everything in your life for something you want. It's basically a cautionary tale. What you want is not what's best for you, and the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they made a cutesy kids movie. Anyone our age was raised on. Now people are kicking off because it's different. For some reason, they can't accept that the fictional character is black. I don't understand people's thought patterns. Like... Are you really that fucking bigoted that you can't accept that a mermaid can be black? Yeah, yeah, I don't. A fucking mermaid, something that's not real. People are getting really, really riled up about it. Some people are having the argument that it's just pandering to the black community and it's more detrimental to their thing. I honestly don't think it is. I'm not black, so I can't say whether or not it is detrimental to the community. Like, that's for them to decide, I guess. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, both black and white, in full support of this. But there's also the other side where Twitter has been especially racist these past few months. Twitter is... Depends where you look on Twitter, I find. I stay away from Twitter just because 140 characters to get across like an articulated point is never going to work. I'm barely unsetting how to use fucking Instagram. I don't like, and I'm trying to be active on Twitter, but it's just, I try to post and then no one sees it or likes it, even though I use the correct hashtag. So I'm just like, Twitter is something you use once you already have a following and not yeah, try yeah. and not trying to build one on Twitter. But that's neither here nor there. Like this whole Little Mermaid controversy is just stupid. Yeah, absolutely. Especially since there's a much bigger issue with the movie that I want to talk about, right? Go on. Mermaids are originally a Scandinavian folktale. So that's around Europe. And around Europe is the Atlantic Ocean. In the movie The Little Mermaid, the majority, if not all, the fauna and flora, that's animals and plants under the ocean, are Pacific. And then when Ariel goes up and meets Prince, whatever the fuck his face is, he's clearly from a European country. So it's clearly in the Atlantic. So throw the whole fucking ecosystem out the fucking window because it doesn't make sense. Yep. <laughs> that's my. That's honestly my biggest gripe with the movie. Not that Ariel's black or white or whatever the fuck it is, you put the wrong fish in the wrong fucking ocean. Do some fucking yep. research. Yeah, I've had many a conversation about this with you and I know you get riled up about this. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Why did you put the wrong fish in the wrong ocean? Oh. Uh. I'm pretty sure you've seen the Gamer Girl Bathwater. <laughs> <laughs> What's that chick's name? Belle Delphine. Belle Delphine. Oh, I'm probably like a lot of people. I have not actually looked into this, and I have just seen the memes popping out about it, and it is the best thing ever. I haven't heard of 
this chick until this whole thing happened. Yeah, as I said, I haven't really looked into it other than seeing the memes and seeing a couple of articles about it, about people condemning it and some people condoning it. I'm not condemning it because I honestly respect the hustle. It is a genius move. And if you're dumb enough to actually get it, then I don't know what to say. Like, like, the first is definitely real when it comes to some of this. Like, how desperate can you fucking be? Yeah, yeah. More power to her. She honestly knows how to um, use and navigate her fan base to get exactly what she wants. I'm just sitting on the sidelines, just having a giggle. Yeah, that's about all I'm doing as well. Part of me is just confused as to what people are on about and everything. And then the rest of me is like, go, go, get your money. Yeah, they're literally buying dirty bathwater because fuck if I know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about it, really. That's all the amount of stupid I can actually deal with in one podcast setting. So let's go to some like happy stuff. Like by, the announcement by... of the Switch Lite that came to light today. <laughs> light, Switch Lite came to light. Yeah, 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 I, yeah Thank that's you. good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I've been working on that all day. No, okay, I oh. Haven't, but... I didn't hear about this. Oh, really? It got announced today that they're bringing out the new Switch console. So this is permanently portable. This is the same layer as the Switch when you take it out of the dock. So it's got the controls yeah. on the side and all that. It's a much smaller price tag. And it good. looks good. It looks so, good. So you cannot dock it and you cannot play it on a big screen. It's just the portable version. Yeah. And Ooh. it's 200 American. Fuck, that's good. That's like $300. About, about, about $300 New Zealand. I might actually get the light version. Tempted, but I kind of really want the normal so that I can dock it. I mean, as we know, Raz, I am a big fan of docking. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering when that would play a factor into the conversation. Yeah, I mean, had to be done. It's good to see that I wasn't disappointed. But like, with the majority of the games I want to play for the Switch, I think the majority will, I would like to play in small bursts or if I take the console with me. So maybe a light version be better suited for me. Yeah. If it's just as powerful as the Nintendo Switch and uh, it's a smaller price tag, I wouldn't mind just like being in bed playing the Legend of Zelda or Mario or... does have a smaller uh, screen, so it's 5.5 inches rather than 6.2 on the Switch normal. Yeah. But it's yeah. the same 720p resolution, so you're, I mean, you're still going to play the same games and everything. I might actually get that. That might actually be a good Christmas present for myself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't announce this at E3, to be honest. But I guess they wanted to hold off a little bit and drop it on their own time when they were ready to talk about it. Nintendo has kind of moved away from showing things like big things at E3 and is more focused on its Nintendo Directs. And that's where they announce a lot of stuff now. Or they yeah, just announce yeah. stuff out the blue. They have moved away from E3 a bit. Which I think is better having like incremental updates and what the company is doing throughout the year rather than just like splurge everything out on just one date. It just feels like it's a much better system. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the fact that they're announcing it now, so mid-July, and it's coming out mid to late September, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And while Nintendo was busy uh, splurging the news about the Switch Lite, 
I was busy splurging over Spider-Man Far From Home. I thought you were going to go back to Belle Delphine there for a second. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Far From Home was absolutely incredible. I, I went and saw it night before last, and it was a lot of fun. I liked it just a bit more than Homecoming. Like, just by a tiny inch. I think they're pretty much identical in terms of enjoyment for me. I just liked that the stakes were higher, and it just had, like, a more feeling of gravitas in Far From Home. I think, for me, the reason it sits a little bit above Homecoming is there's less introduction of character for the Spider-Man, you know. During Homecoming, they were sort of trying to push to introduce you and get you used to tom holland being spider-man instead of whoever else has played him in the past you know they've done a little bit with him in um the avengers movies and carried on like that and then just by this being what the fourth movie that he's been showing up in so showed up in civil war he showed up yeah, in the, uh, homecoming fourth. and then oh, i suppose he was in both uh avengers endgame and and the previous one so I suppose, yeah, five movies now with him in it. So everyone's used to seeing him as that character. So I feel like there was less introduction needed and less building pretense around his story. And they got to focus on actual story elements, which I feel that lent to making it a more well-rounded and fun movie. They definitely had to focus less on establishing Peter Parker slash Spider-Man as a character and could focus upon the world that he inhabits and more focus on the villain. Speaking of the villain, Mysterio was amazing in it. Yeah, Mysterio was absolutely incredible. And the special effects around everything to do with Mysterio, the elementals, everything was just superb. It was absolutely magical. The only thing I didn't really like about mysterio being the villain is that he was yet another disgruntled stock employee there was the guy from ant-man there was the guy from the first iron man movie uh from uh, iron man 3 it's like we get it like there's been a lot of stark disgruntled employees it just feels like we could have moved away from that now that the events of avengers infinity war and endgame finished but even in death Tony seems to keep fucking up with the world. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like that has always been such a big part of the series because it sort of was a big part of the comics, but not this big a part. Like, there was, yeah. like, he is one of the bigger employers in America of people that are very, very smart and very, very specialized in their fields. And I'm, I'm just waiting for Google to start having supervillains now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is very and true. Apple. Um, but I did like how they tied it in with the other movies. Quentin Beck, which is not actually his real name, is the guy who helped create the holographic uh, technology scene in uh, Civil War right at the start. Yeah. So it actually ties into that movie as well. They didn't address the snap that much, or how they call it in the movie, the, uh, the blip. The uh, blip. It just seems like the world kind of returned to normal in what? They addressed five, how six weird months? it was for a little bit, but then they just sort of like brushed it under the rug for a little bit to try and. I feel like that was just to also try and get past that and carry on, but they still could have yeah, played I... on it a little bit more. 
I feel like because Endgame was such an emotionally driven movie and the primary emotion was sadness and desperation that they wanted to keep things light with Spider-Man because it's primarily a comedy. It's an action comedy. So I feel like they wanted to address it and say like, yeah, that was fucked up, but we're now trying to have a lighter tone to just ease you out of Endgame and into back with the fun Marvel stuff. Yeah, yeah. We can't really talk about Spider-Man Far From Home without addressing the two post credit scenes. I feel like those post credit scenes are two of the best, if not the two best scenes, like post credit scenes in the entire Marvel franchise. Agreed. I had to think about that for a second, but yes, agreed. With the first post credit scene, Spider-Man slash Peter Parker just was having a good time. You know, he defeated the villain. You know, life was going good for him. He was about to get some pussy. And then <laughs> and then his whole world just got fucked up. Because what happened in the post credit scene is that there's a doctored video of Mysterio accusing Peter Parker spider-man that he was the one who organized the attack of the drones that caused the um ho- the, the chaos holograph- in london yeah, yeah the chaos in london and it painted him as the villain and not only did he paint spider-man as the villain he unmasked him told yeah. the world that spider-man is peter parker and yeah, even showed was... a big a big grinning picture of him on the jumbotron in times square that was such a nice touch cutting to like a pic like his school photo of him smiling and then back yeah and then back to probably my favorite cameo in a marvel movie that isn't stanley yeah that was the thing that took me by complete surprise they got jk simmons to come back as j jonah jameson yeah he's not the same j jonah jameson as in the sam raimi trilogy I'm not sure if they took inspiration from the Spider-Man game. They must have. They must have. Because he had a web... It was a website. And is uh, is leaning uh, towards the podcast that he has in the game. In this Marvel Universe, Daily Bugle isn't a newspaper. It's a web news show where J. Jonah Jameson is this Alex Jones type of character where he talks about conspiracy theories and pretty much just says that Spider-Man is a criminal, a menace, and and Quentin Beck, Mysterio, is the greatest superhero to ever exist. Yeah. J.K. Simmons playing J. Jonah Jameson. It's one of those things where you can't see that character being played by any other actor. It just would feel wrong. So I'm immensely happy that they managed to get J.K. Simmons back to play J. Jonah Jameson. Absolutely. Uh, it, that was, was, it, was, it was such a nice touch. That was completely out of left field. And uh, the second post credit scene. That just made more questions than answers yeah throughout the whole movie i thought there was something off about nick fury nick fury is a lot smarter than to allow himself to be fooled by someone like quentin beck yeah nick fury is the type of person who doubts every second word that you say and so he playing along with mysterio's uh, plan and deception just felt odd to me but in this post credit scene it's revealed that nick fury and i can't remember her name but his assistant aren't really nick fury and the other chick they're actually i know the actress's scrolls. name but i can't think of the character's name because i'm just having yeah. a major mind blank on that one yeah neither it is revealed that they're actually scrolls the shape-shifting aliens first featured in captain marvel 
I'm pretty sure it was Captain Marvel. Unless they got featured in Guardians of the Galaxy and I completely forgot. I think they might have been featured, like, very, very briefly. Yeah. Well, they've been featured before in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, some of the main characters in Captain Marvel. Though. After it got revealed that they were imposters, Talos, the leader of the scroll, FaceTimes the actual Nick Fury, who's on a giant space station in space. And I'm leading to believe that Nick Fury is in space because he's starting S.W.O.R.D., the outer space counterpart of S.H.I.E.L.D. from the comics. Maria Hill, that's her name. There you go, Maria Hill. I knew it would come to me eventually. What do you think, Jacob? Do you think Fury is in space uh, starting S.W.O.R.D.? I honestly think he is. I honestly think that because of all the extraterrestrial threats they've had, he is building a better defense network around earth that is going to help to protect and i think that in this universe that's going to take the form of shield uh, of sword sorry shield will be like the the proper earth defense and then to go out and do stuff is going to be sword it's hard to speculate too much and i don't want to go this is exactly how it's going to play out because i know yeah. that I'll I mean, say that, and then it's going to be the complete opposite. All the signs seem to point towards the formation of S.W.O.R.D., but yeah. we'll have to wait and see. But anyway, going back to Mysterio quickly, Jake Gyllenhaal just killed it. Oh, he nailed that character, but he, he's very good in whatever he touches. And he always plays that, like, little bit of crazy really, really well, and yeah. it's the eyes. Yeah. His, his, it's... He's got the eyes for it. <laughs> This is how good of an actor Jake Gyllenhaal is. During the movie, he was acting bad as Quentin Beck, but that was on purpose because Quentin Beck is kind of a bad actor. For an actor to act as a bad actor is just that much harder. I think he did a really good way of acting as someone trying to hide everything about themselves and portray themselves as this completely different person. He did that really, really well while still keeping the crazy eyes and the absolute terror of working with someone like that. The other main thing of the movie was to do with Mysterio is how well the illusions looked. When Quentin Beck was fucking with Peter Parker inside the illusions, it looked exactly like it would look in the comics. That was a phenomenal sequence. That nod to Marvel Zombies where Iron Man rises from the grave and half his mask is torn off and you can see the skull inside. That's exactly how it looks in the comics for Marvel Zombies. And that was such a great nod to it. Such a great little tidbit that keeps the true fans of Marvel quite interested. I feel like this movie was great. The other big thing that I liked is that... As the world is grieving over the death of Tony Stark, the death of Black Widow, and the reported death of Captain America, but he's just old now, Peter's journey through the movie to get to terms with his death, with Tony's death, and he feels like people are expecting him to be the next Iron Man. And I like how he unknowingly embraced it when he was building his new suit inside the jet. And how proud Happy was. And then Happy said, I'll cue the music and put on, um, what he put on? No, it was ACDC, and then Peter Parker just yells, oh, I love Led Zeppelin, and then I got oh, right. that's, very that's right. mad at that. 
And that's exactly yeah, how they did it. I like that. That's exactly how Tony used to work to get his suit. And just seeing Peter Parker like just act exactly like that when building his new suit, he unknowingly started the journey to replace Iron Man. Yeah. So what do you think of the movie? Like, what's your score? Oh, that's it's so hard. I think if I was to give it a score based on my first watch, it'd be an eight. I want to okay. go and see it again in cinemas before I give a final a final rating because I feel like there's going to be a lot of things dotted in throughout it that I'll pick up on on a second viewing that I wouldn't have noticed in a first. For me, it's a nine. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Minor gripes aside, they're minor gripes, but it's a full-on nine for me. I liked everything about it. Oh, and there was a funny thing, right, with my viewing. I was sitting next to this to this uh, family, and right next to me was their kid, a boy. Yeah. And um, right at the end, on the bridge where Peter Parker and MJ kiss, the boy just went, Ew, gross! <laughs> oh. <laughs> And I found that really funny. Oh, oh that's fantastic. If nothing else, that just made the movie experience for me. Yeah, uh, it absolutely. Was, it was so good. So that's Spider-Man Far From Home. We got one more thing to discuss, and that is Stranger Things Season 3. Uh, now, I haven't finished this. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm near the end, but I I don't want no spoilers yet. Which episode are you on? I'm, I'm at the start of episode 8. And... Oh, so right at the end. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm right near the end. I can talk about the majority of the stuff that I liked and didn't like about the season without bringing up the end of episode 8. Yeah. Going in, firstly to say, I liked it more than the first season, but I didn't like it as much as the second season. Apart from episode 7 of the second season because that episode just went off the fucking rails yeah that was that was yeah bananas i felt like this season the sto- the writing is still great but yeah. they kind of had to contrive a reason to keep the adventure going like there's something to be said about not wanting to introduce a new threat or a new monster every season but having the same villain the same monster villain as the second season with the mind flayer but now it's just a like a walking mass of meat i just felt like that was a bit cheap Although I did love how the Mind Flayer looked in the real world. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. The way he's building himself by, like, absorbing the mass, I guess, of controlled participants. So he's breaking down people and animals into primordial goop, just about. And then absorbing yeah. it into himself. It's horrifying. I, I like that it took inspiration from classic horror films like The Thing and yeah. The Blob. That's what I thought when watching this monster on the on the screen. This is like one of those old school psychological horror movies where the monster just infects the people's mind and then takes over them. And then when the mind flare doesn't have a use for the walking body anymore, it just breaks it down to, like I said, primordial goop, like just a, yeah. a mesh of minced meat, and it joins the rest of the um, core body, which forms like giant spider-like insect. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I thought the Mind Flayer worked a lot better as this incorporeal threat in the second season, which is why I liked it so much. I liked that it still held a bit of mystery in the second season. In the third season, I felt like a lot of characters were there but didn't have really a point to be there. Like, um, 
Will's mom, she didn't really have that much to do in the third season. Is it Joyce? Will's mom's name. Yeah, yeah, Joyce is Will's mom. Joyce. And um, Hopper as well. I felt like... What? Hopper is so cool, though. I'm he is such a cool character. I'm not and... saying he's not a cool character, but he doesn't have much to do in the third season. He's there because he's a fan favorite and because he's the adopted father of Eleven. L. But apart from, yeah. L. But apart from that, he really has no point in being in the third season. The majority of the action focuses around the kids. And by this point, when they do a fourth season, because they are going to do a fourth fucking season. They are, but it's been confirmed that the fourth is the last. No, they say the there's nope. going to be two more. Nope. No? It was confirmed that the other day that the fourth is the last because the writers want to end it there. Fair enough. I was going to say, the only way I can see a fourth and maybe more seasons happening, but if this is the fourth one, is that they need to do an It Chapter 2 kind of thing because these kids look way too old now to actually still be that same age from the first season. Like, they barely fit in kids' clothes. I feel like they need to do it sort of as them as adults. If they're going to bring the Mind and Flayer back, the Mind Flayer comes back and... I think the Mind Flayer's played out. They had the incorporeal version in Season 2, they had the corporeal version in Season 3. For the fourth season, they're either going to have to focus on a different creature that comes back years and years after the events of the third season, or focus on something completely different that still has something to do with the overarching plot like maybe focus on other other gifted kids that grow up like 11 and her sister number seven or the what the fuck her deal was or number yeah. eight from the second season maybe focus on that but let time pass because you've done as much as you can with the time with the time frame of this third seasons like let time yeah. pass and then maybe let them come back when they're in high school when they're proper teenagers like maybe 18 or something let, let like five years pass because now they're 13 11 is 13 in this in this season just let time pass and focus on a new threat sometime down the line it allows the audience to breathe and it allows the characters to breathe without neither us nor the characters feeling like can you believe this fucking shit like this just keeps fucking happening how is no one fucking doing something about all this uh, supernatural shit that's happening yeah that's that's a very good point that's a very good point What's the, um, I keep forgetting names of characters, I'm really bad with names, uh, the guy that's best friends with Dustin. Oh, um, Nancy's ex. Robin and Steve. Steve, the, How um. I forget Steve. I don't know, I'm really bad with names. The friendship and the dynamic between Rob, between Robert, who the fuck's Robert? No one. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> fuck's sake, the dynamic between Dustin and Steve was my favorite thing of the entire season. It was but, so adorable how he just sort of like took him under his wing and was happy to be his friend and he was like, yeah, I'll show you around, man. Took the time. That's, uh, that's another reason why I want the time skip when they're like 18, but that's just for me. So they can realize that they're actually gay for each other. <laughs> I wasn't going to go down that path, but you do, you boo. Uh, oh, it, it would be amazing. But... The other chick's name that was with, with Steve and Dustin and the... Robin. Robin, the Russian base. Like, I yeah. feel like that trio, Erica, that trio, apart from Erica, I think worked really well. 
Erica kind of annoyed me. She was just the sassy kid that talked yeah. back to everyone and had way too much attitude, even to the adults. I felt like her character was a bit one note. Yeah. I felt like the dynamic between Eleven and Mike was really good, like showing how like their teens, they're hitting puberty there have feelings for each other and they can't stop kissing each other or something like that and then hoppers the disgruntled dad said me like keep the door open three inches yeah uh i found that really funny and shows that was like a good progression of their characters and how 11 dumps mike and they don't know how to act and the two girls the other girl's name is sam max they fuck i'm so bad i'm so bad with character names max and 11 uh just talking about ugh boys just the boys don't know why the girls are yeah, are yeah. acting like that. I thought yeah. I, like really humanized them and brought them to the, their new stage of life, like their yeah, new stage. Yeah, and, and, and it brought in that whole you know every eighties movie had that coming of age high school melodrama feel to it, and with movies like The Breakfast Club. It brought that sort of element into it and gave a little nod those movies that came before. Yeah. Yeah. Nancy and uh, what's Will's brother's name? The photography guy. Uh, Fuck, I'm so bad at this. Same. I can't remember names. Jonathan. I felt like Nancy and Jonathan really kind of off in this movie, in this series. All they did throughout the whole season was just fucking bicker. They had a thing where they were trying to solve a mystery right at the start, but then which, which sort of kicked everything off, yeah, yeah. But then after that, they just bickered for the entire season, like they didn't do anything else productive. I mean, they, just... they, they did a couple of productive things, but not they sort of helped out quite a bit in the first couple of seasons, and then in this one, they're sort of now that they're together, they don't know how to act, they're I, I trying to be like... adults, and it's tr- it's so challenging for them. And it's so challenging to watch them try as well. I feel like it's more the writers not knowing what to do with them. Because in the first season, Jonathan was the weird kid that took photos that was really into photography. And Nancy was the preppy girl who actually just wanted a normal life. And they achieved that in the second season. And in the third season, I think the writers really didn't know what to do with them. So they just had them be a bickering couple the entire time. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably accurate. But what I liked the most... Fuck, I can't remember his name either. Max's brother. Billy? Billy, Billy. There you go, Billy. In the second season, Billy was a wasted character because he had no influence on the plot. But I'm so glad they gave him more to do and, like, be a significant part of the third season. Like, well, being I, the, I feel the... like he did have a little bit to do with the plot. He was sort of like... Well, not the main plot. He was part of subplots and... He helped drive Max's character, and he was sort of like the supporting character to her. And then in this one, he got pushed up because people probably yeah, just like, felt like he didn't have enough of a part in the yeah. first. In the third season, he is one of the main antagonists because he gets taken over by the Mind Flayer and is the main body of the Mind yeah. Flayer for the longest time. Now, since you haven't seen episode eight, I'm not going to go into how it ends because I have a few gripes about it. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying they're good. I have a few gripes about it. You've got a few gripes about everything, you grumpy old bugger. Um, aren't we doing reviews of things? Isn't that how reviews of things happen? We have issues with something about how something happens? Yeah, I know. I just <laughs> like making fun of you. Yeah, fair enough. I do have some gripes, but 
since you haven't seen it, we'll uh, end the discussion here. Yeah, yeah. I think we have to for now. Yeah. Because otherwise I'm going to make you tell me the end and then it's going to ruin it for me and then I'm going to resent you for it and then our relationship will forever be tarnished. Yeah, to be fair, the (laughs) way... To be fair, the way it ends is probably how you're thinking it ends, because it ended the way I thought it would end. So I'm just going to say that. Hmm. Hmm. I'm looking forward to it. This is the end of episode 12. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Um, yes. We shall see you guys in episode 13 and in our other side projects that they are coming. It just takes a while. They to get, are coming. Takes a bit of while to get all the pieces in place, get all our ducks into one row. We'll see you next time in this format or another. And until then, I shall say au revoir. And I shall say hail Satan. <laughs>